Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I hope everybody is doing well. Hope you're getting ready for Christmas. You got all these things that are coming up. I know you're probably trying to buy gifts. I know you're probably trying to figure out whose house you're going to have Christmas dinner at. Some of you are trying to figure out how many houses you actually have to go to this Christmas and trying to plan all the logistics with that trying to figure out what you're going to eat, what you're going to make, what you're going to take, how many pairs of underwear you're going to get, how many pairs of socks you're going to get, so on and so forth. Merry Christmas. We are in the Christmas season, and although it is Christmas time, this year, as we reflect on it, has not been one of the prettiest years I've ever lived in, but I can tell you one thing about this year is God has still been sovereign. He's still seated on his throne And he is good regardless of what happens. Now, I am not going to get into all of the things that 2020 has had to offer to us since the beginning. But what I am going to talk to you about is some things that that happen in our lives. And as you know, the title of this episode is called I Hate Your Theology. Now, you may wonder what I'm talking about, but uh, we're going to talk about how we interact with one another and how professing believers, those that even call themselves believers, how they should act with those that they think are unbelievers. Now, I'll tell you where this idea of this episode came from. I found myself on Facebook recently engaged lovingly and gracefully and and cheerfully and with wisdom and love and understanding and trying to be sharpened and trying to help sharpen a person who claimed to be a believer. And we we were debating and talking about, really it was, we were really kind of talking about, there was really no debate. It was kind of, uh, uh, well, I'll tell you what really happened. My theology, the way I find myself believing the scriptures as I allow or let scripture interpret scripture, the, the hermeneutic that I have that is uh, just brought this biblical view and, and theology and doctrine, the way I see it, has brought forth a lot of opposition, and it has for years. Now, I, many of you know that I would profess to be a Reformed Baptist, uh, and, 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 and that's fine, right? Um, I think that we see a lot of hostility in this. This is, a, this is an ongoing debate there's some hostility there. There's some grace from other people. There is some charity from others. And still yet, this topic of Reformed theology, the doctrine of election, predestination, perseverance of the saints, things of that nature, will continue to be a point of contention until Jesus comes back because it's been that way for a while and will continue to do so. Well, I found myself in this interaction and this exchange on Facebook that Uh, with a guy that really hated my theology. He hates what I believe. He thinks that I am part of a cult, and actually I guess that would mean I'm kind of the the teaching cult leader, if that's the case. Many of you know I'm the preaching pastor at a church in Arkansas, so I guess that would make me almost a cult leader in his eyes. Um, So he believes that I am unregenerate. He believes that 
I am not a believer whatsoever. He he says that he is. He says that he's interpreting the Bible correctly. He says that we are not brothers in Christ. Therefore, he went on to rant and rage and really be an arrogant, pompous jerk, if I could say that. Now, I could point you to the Facebook interaction, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to... Uh, throw all that out there. I'm not meaning to throw anybody under the bus. I simply want to talk about how we as believers and you as a believer, if you're listening, if you profess to be a believer, how we should treat outsiders. Because here's the thing. This guy spent so much time railing on my theology, telling me I'm unsaved, telling me that I'm in a cult, that I lead a cult, and that anybody else that joined in and tried to be gracious and loving and understanding and and kind of talk through the issues, they were in a cult. They were um, they have had the the wool pulled over their eyes, so to speak. They need to get out of this dangerous heresy. They need to find a biblical church. It was just kind of kind of gnarly the way this all went down. But he hated my theology, and he thinks that we are all unbelievers because we find ourselves lining up a certain way on the doctrine of election, doctrine of predestination. Uh, You throw free will in there. You throw man's responsibility in there. And there's no interaction. There's no dialogue. It's only a one-sided rant from this person. But ultimately, here's where I'm getting at. He claimed that we are not brothers in Christ, that we are unsaved men and women, those that believe in Reformed theology, or, or hold to, let me say that, hold to Reformed theology. We would say that we believe in Christ Jesus. We believe in the Word of God. This is where we get these doctrines that we believe. This is where our theology is shaped, or should be. Our theology should not be shaped uh, by any of the Reformers. Now, they can help us. They could help with some commentary and help shape our thinking. But ultimately, we let the Bible shape and form our theology because Scripture is the final authority. So, If we believe this, then this man, and there's many others out there that would say that you are not a Christian. And on the backside of this, the ranting and raving, and when he finally said, you aren't believers, you are in a cult, you are not brothers in Christ, you're not sisters in Christ. I then thought it would be wise to say, please help me figure out where I have erred in my salvation. What have I gotten wrong? And if I'm not a believer, then, man, please help me understand the gospel. Because, and I brought it to his attention, that you have really not shown me the gospel. You've not taught me the gospel. You've not preached the Bible to me in such a way that I could hear the word of God and be saved. So if I am as as unregenerate as you say I am, then why have you not been preaching the gospel to me for the past two hours? Instead, you've been ranting and and trying to demean me in the position that I hold to. And it was more ranting and raving and more, you're not a brother in Christ. I'm not going to treat you as a brother in Christ. I'm not going to treat any of you as brothers and sisters in Christ. I am going to call out to you very boldly and passionately and very rudely and arrogantly because I am going to slam my point down in your face. I'm going to slam my beliefs down in your face. Let me throw this out there, KJV only. Um, That's another episode. But I'm going to throw all these things down on the table, and you're going to either believe them or you're an unsaved person. Now, listen, believers, 
if we know we are engaged with an unbeliever, or let me let me let me dial that back some. If we think we are engaged with an unbeliever, somebody that is not saved by grace through faith, uh, somebody that has not been redeemed, somebody that doesn't produce the fruit of a believer. Regardless of whether they believe in the doctrine of election or not, whether they believe in predestination or not, or adoption before the foundation of the world or not, regardless of those things, if we believe by the fruit that they bear, now listen, I was being gracious and loving in my conversations back with him, so there was no um, (laughs) things out there that was sin on my part or any of our other folks' part that go to my church, but, but if we are engaged with somebody that we think is not a believer, then our job is not to kill them by telling them their position is wrong, what they believe is wrong. I'm not going to go up to any unbeliever, and you shouldn't either. You're witnessing tactics. Your, your, your evangelism should not be, this is why you're wrong and I'm right, and I'm going to be a jerk to you until you bow down and admit to me that I'm right and believe in what I believe in. If not, then you're dead to me. I hate you. You're not a brother. Move on. If that is your evangelism tactic, then you need to do one thing. That is to examine yourself to see if you are truly in the faith. Because that is ultimately, as I engaged in this person, what I began to to come to understand is that this person may not truly have repented of sin and trusted Christ. Yes, they have strong beliefs on one thing as do I, but I wasn't demeaning this man, nor were any of the other people in the conversation demeaning and and being rude. Matter of fact, there was another uh, lady on the the thread that asked simple questions about where where we stand as far as uh, different things and evangelizing, and we were able to have a great dialogue back and forth. Now, at the end of that dialogue, we didn't necessarily agree 100% on everything, but we were adults about it. We were able to communicate, and it looked like iron sharpening iron. Now, the bigger thing here is this, I'm stepping on you, I'm stepping on you, I'm stepping on you, and if you don't like it, you need to get out because I'm right. That is not the way you engage anybody that, well, really, that's not the way you engage anybody with this I'm right, you're wrong type, puffed up with arrogance attitude. You don't do that. The Bible even teaches us, how we are to carry ourselves and act toward outsiders. Outsiders, meaning unbelievers. If you have a copy of the Bible and if you got your phone or whatever you use to get on the Bible there with you, if you ever listen with the Bible or have your phone, look at Colossians chapter 4. We see Paul tell us exactly here how to live and engage and interact with outsiders. So before I read this scripture, Christian If you are a professing believer, you do not engage with anyone, especially outsiders, in a rude, condescending, arrogant, jerkful way. Jerkful. Is that jerk, jerky way? (laughs) Whatever. You get the picture. But let's read what Paul says, Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 5, and we'll read verses 5 and 6. It says this, walk in wisdom toward not brothers in Christ, although we are to do that as well, but in this particular passage, Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Now, those are the ones that are not saved, that are the ones that are not uh, repentant. They are not uh, believers in Christ, as this man said that I wasn't. So if um, he were to read the scripture, he would know that this is how he should have acted towards me, who he thought was an unbeliever, but it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, 
And listen to the second part of verse 5. Making the best use of time. Now, we all are guilty of wasting time. We're all guilty of doing things with our time that we probably shouldn't be doing. We should, um, instead of watching six hours of TV, we should spend that time in prayer. We should spend that time in the Word. We spend precious time doing other things, wasting our time, not making the best use of time. But listen to this. When we're walking in wisdom towards outsiders, we are to make the best use of the time. Now, in this situation, and in any situation that you're engaged with an unbeliever, what is the best use of time going to be? The best use of time is going to be to preach Christ and Christ crucified. We have to tell them the bad news of sin. We have to talk about the sinfulness, this this stain that each one of us are born with, this crimson stain of sin. All of the things we do that God hates. And we have to talk about all that bad news, but we also talk about the good news of Jesus Christ that came, died, bled, rose again for our sins, and he's seated at the right hand of God, and those that repent of sin and believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We, we teach the gospel message. That is making the best use of time, not trying to tear down someone because of their belief. I don't care if you're engaged with a Jehovah's Witness, uh, a Mormon or anyone that we would say is not a believer in Christ and that is not a true believer, anyone that we're engaged with, even an atheist, we can tear down their worldview without being jerks, without being arrogant. We can tear down their worldview from a biblical point of view. However, the majority of that time, the best use of that time is going to be preaching Christ and Christ crucified because the unbeliever has no other need greater than that of Christ. The unbeliever has no other need, no other need greater than Christ, which he doesn't need to know uh, all of the creation. How did this happen? How did this happen? How did this happen? I'm not going. An unbeliever can't believe in the flood or the parting of the Red Sea because they haven't been saved. Their hearts are still dead in their sins and trespasses. They are not to life in Christ, so their biggest, greatest need is to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is making the best use of time, not tearing someone down, and all of these things that happened on Facebook the other day. And let me just say this. Social media is a good thing at times, but it's probably not the best platform to engage in some of these things like this. I tried my best just to be loving and gracious and try to um, help him see our point of view from a biblical sense, but of course we weren't interpreting those scriptures correctly in his eyes, and that's okay. He's He has a right to his opinion, and we respect that, but for him as a professing believer to waste so much time talking about our position and demeaning people, I do not think was God-honoring. It didn't exalt Christ. It didn't bring glory and honor to God. It did not produce in any one, a holiness that we are to strive for in our lives. Now, that was a waste of time. Uh, I wasted my time engaging as long as I did. I engaged over the course of two days and in, in a few back and forths and uh, finally had to pull out because it was going nowhere. It's okay to have dialogue. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to debate. But when it's uh, going to be endless and pointless, there comes a time where you have to 
bow out gracefully. And when I bowed out, he took one more swing and uh, we moved on from there. But the, the time was wasted, not only on my part, but on his part as a professing believer, thinking I am an unbeliever. I did not hear the gospel in two days in my back and forth with this gentleman. Let's look at verse six. Let's keep going. Let your speech always be gracious. Now, we're talking about uh, our time with outsiders, how we are to walk in wisdom toward an outsider. Now, this says, verse 6, let your speech always be gracious. We should always be gracious in our speech towards believers and especially unbelievers. This was one of the things that I struggled with um, in my ministry is not seasoning my speech with grace. And I had a, a, a great man in my life over the past few years that really called me on it a few times. And there were times where I would just want to push back and argue and fight and <laughs> not fight physically, but man, I just wanted to push back because, you know, nobody likes that criticism, but internally I was processing that. And a, a couple of times he would bring it up to me that I'm not being gracious in my speech. And this was towards believers. And it really hit me. God used this man to help me understand that my speech needs to be gracious in every situation, whether that be with a believer, whether that be with an unbeliever, whether that's in the middle of the most trying time or trial of my life, whether it's in some of the, the most um, warlike times in ministry, if there's conflict, if there's things going on like that, my speech, regardless of how upset, frustrated, or mad, we'll just say angry, that I get, should always be gracious. And we see this in Scripture. There's many places it talks about our speech, but this is another one where our speech should always be gracious. So even with outsiders, our speech should be gracious. This that happened on Facebook Although we weren't directly speaking to each other in, in, in the physical sense, we were speaking to each other in the social media sense. And his speech as a believer, talking to who he thought was a non-believer, his speech was not gracious. And I really hope that there were no unbelievers that saw his attitude on this back and forth because had an unbeliever seen in the things that he was saying, the way he was saying it, and how he was saying it, it would have not have sit well with the unbeliever. And matter of fact, the unbeliever would look and say, that's exactly why I don't go to church. That's exactly why I don't have a thing to do with God and the things of God or Christians because of the way they act, especially toward other people that profess to be Christians as well. So it's always important for us believers to season our speech with grace and always be gracious in our speech. Be wise, be loving, be caring, even to the unbeliever, it's easy to say, well, we're not brothers in Christ, so I'm just going to rail on you because we have no connection. But isn't that our job as Christians to, to hope and pray that God would save many that we talk to that are unbelievers, that we would talk to them about the Christ that we love, that we exalt, the one that died for us, that was buried and rose again? Don't we want to see God save those people, not tear them down and not be mean to them or belittle them. We want to see God do amazing things in their life, so we must be gracious. Let's keep going here to see what Paul says in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 4. This is exactly what I've been saying. 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's huge. The things that happened yesterday and and the day before on this Facebook back and forth, I, I, I did my best to season my my speech with grace in this moment to to really try to sharpen uh, who I thought was a brother in Christ. And at this point, I'm not real sure. I hate that. I, I, I tried to lay out the true Christ, the regeneration, faith, all these things. But at the end of the day, how we talk to people matters because we ought to be able to answer each person the way that the Lord would have us as believers answer them. So when I ask questions as a believer and somebody answers or somebody asks me a question and I answer, I should not be belittling to anybody. I should not be uh, lording over someone as if I know something greater than they do or if I'm more powerful than they are in some spiritual sense because that's not true. I have to be able to answer people with grace, graciousness, with wisdom, with love. There's a, a great deal of wisdom that should be in the life of a believer, a great deal of knowledge. We can have knowledge without wisdom, and it seemed like there was just a bunch of knowledge yesterday and the day before in this back and forth from one side without the wisdom to carry out and how to speak back and forth and how to truly sharpen iron. We have to be careful as believers that we know exactly how to answer folks, that we are being wise and loving and caring, making the best use of the time. Because we are in a world, and especially now, we're in this world that's just so much chaos, so much confusion. People are are worried. They're they're wondering what's next. They they don't understand some things, and, and rightfully so. But we live in a world right now where people need hope. People need the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need to be tearing each other down over uh, the doctrine of election, over predestination, over total depravity, perseverance of the saints. These are things that people can talk about, but they must be talked about in a loving way. I've had countless conversations with people that don't believe the same way I believe. However, we believe that salvation is by grace through faith that you truly repent of your sin and trust Christ and believe that he came, died, and he rose again. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. We can have that common ground, and when we get outside of that, we can talk about those things. We can agree to disagree on a few points, and uh, we can continue to move forward because we have to move forward for the sake of the gospel, not for the sake of thinking we're right in our theology. Do I believe that I'm right? When I interpret the Scripture and I allow Scripture to interpret itself, do I believe I'm right where I land in my beliefs? I believe I am, but God can always change that. I was once a person that believed completely different as a Christian, and then I learned and I studied and I read the Word of God, and I came to this understanding of these doctrines, not because someone told me those, not because I went out and studied all the Reformers or I studied church history and I was just like, all these guys that uh, came after the, the early church, all these guys that came down, the reformers and all of these people, all the MacArthur's and the Sproles of the world, I didn't let them tell me how to believe. My beliefs were shaped through biblical discernment and a being under a shepherd, a pastor, 
that didn't use words like Reformed or Calvinist or any of these things. He just preached the Bible. He preached the hard things. He preached the, the medium to hard things. He preached the easy things. He preached the whole counsel of God. And it was through that that my understanding was shaped as I heard this pastor faithfully preach the text week after week after week. And then as I'm studying this on my own, God has revealed these things to me through the scriptures, not somebody to tell me to believe them. So we don't worship reformers. We don't worship uh, the great names of pastoral ministry today. We don't, we, don't, we don't worship those people. We simply worship the Lord. And we let the Bible, and we should let the Bible, shape our theology. And when we have disagreements with one another, friends, let me just continue to say this, because I believe it's important. I love how in the scriptures where we see things repeated over and over, and it almost sounds like a toddler. Look at First John. Start reading the book of First John. You'll see John repeat a bunch of things over and over. That's not because he's babbling like a toddler. It's because these things are extremely important. So let me continue to say this, that if you find yourself in disagreement with someone, and really as a believer, this can be over anything, not just theology. If you, if you disagree on how you should raise your kids, how you should discipline your kids, if you disagree and your neighbors about uh, where the fence line should be, if you disagree on uh, how he mows his yard and you don't like it, you have disagreements over these things, you should not go into these disagreements trying to win a battle because that's not what we're called to do. As believers, we're called to sharpen one another, to uh, talk through issues with one another, to, 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 to disagree in a loving and careful and gracious way and find common ground in that. I kept trying to find common ground, and the only thing that I could figure out that we uh, came to common, stood on common ground was the fact that we believe church is essential and it should be up to each individual person whether or not they want to wear a mask. So I'm not getting into that, but that is about the only common ground we had. But when it comes to theology, when it comes to Christ, if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and you confess him as Lord of your life, then there's common ground that you can have with anybody that professes to be a believer. And if they can't find common ground with you there, then you preach the gospel. You lovingly, carefully, accurately preach the gospel of Jesus Christ making the best use of your time because we all know that time is short. It's running out for everybody. Everyone has a death day that awaits. It is appointed unto man to die once after this judgment, Hebrews 9.27. So every man and woman is appointed to die, and time is short. That dash between our birthday and death date isn't that long. Even if you live to be 105, 110 years old, it flies by so Time's running out. We must make the best use of time. We must exalt Christ. We must honor God and give him glory in all things, not seek to win arguments, not seek to be um, belittling people, not seek to be jerks because we're quote-unquote right and they're wrong. What I was going to say earlier is, yes, I believe I'm right. That could change. But that doesn't mean I'm going to lord what I think is right over your head. At the end of the day, if we can't find common ground on the gospel of Jesus Christ, then one of us is not a believer. And that other should hear the gospel over and over and over. 
not find themselves in endless arguments, things that don't matter, but find themselves buried in a discussion about Christ. Because we know the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So friends, I hope that as I've discussed some of these things and the incident that I've had, I, um, I hope that it sheds some light on how we interact with one another, but especially with unbelievers. We must show them grace. We must be wise when we interact with them. We must love them and care for them enough to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we come in contact with somebody that is just railing and railing and railing, preach the gospel, and if you have to, shake the dust from your feet, or in this case, your hands and your fingers as you've typed it out on your keyboard or your phone since it was social media. But friends, in all things, give God glory, exalt Christ, serve one another, and evangelize the world. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. As always, if you have any questions, if you have any stories that you'd like to tell when you've encountered someone like this, please feel free to reach out to us at doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and uh, some on Twitter and Instagram. It may get through, may come through. We don't check that as much as we do Facebook and email, but you can find us on those platforms as well. But if you have stories, you have questions, you have comments, concerns, uh, feel free to email us at doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com. We'll get back with you. And uh, we just thank you for listening. I thank you for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day, rest of your night, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. And if there's ever anything I could do for you, feel free to reach out. Until next time, folks, God bless. God bless.